0: Let's take a journey back to world history class or church history class to a man named Martin Luther. Martin Luther was the first Protestant reformer. He was the founder of the Lutheran faith. And yet, he is beloved by many more than just Lutherans. He was a controversial man. He was known as a man of great extremes. Before he became a reformer, Luther served as a monk, and he was known to attend confession sometimes for as long as six hours. It seems like his life was marked by periods of either anxiety and depression or exuberant energy and excitement, (laughs) two extremes. Some even theorize he might have suffered from bipolar disorder. Either way, some of his most historic moments were nailing his 95 theses to the door of the Wittenberg Church and his refusal to recant his faith at the Diet of Worms. Some of his greatest theological works are The Bondage of the Will, The Babylonian Captivity of the Church and his translation of the Bible from Hebrew and Greek into his language, which was German. One of Luther's lesser-known contributions, though, is a song called A Mighty Fortress is Our God. One origin story for the song records that Luther and his cohort sang the hymn on the journey to their Diet of Worms in 1521. And at that meeting, Luther refused to recant his theological position. And in response, the Roman Catholic Church branded him a heretic, And the Holy Roman Emperor put a price on his head. Thankfully, Luther had a supporter. He had an ally, Frederick III, who was a German prince. And he hid Luther away in one of the castles in Germany. This is another possible origin for the hymn. Perhaps in that castle, Luther had the idea that God is like a vast fortress in which he could hide. Perhaps even from Proverbs 18, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it and is safe. Luther spent roughly a year there at that castle where he produced many more theological works, including the first New Testament and German. Luther was busy. The hymn was finally written down and set to music in 1529. The lyrics and melody were both provided by Luther. So whatever its origin, the hymn was a source of strength for him. He wrote, A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. Our helper he Amid the flood of mortal ills prevailing. When circumstances flood in, even those that are a death knell to us, God's presence is a safe place. Because of this, Luther found peace. He found courage that propelled him to accomplish amazing things. Protestants, particularly evangelicals, can trace their roots back to the faith of Martin Luther. We can remember his hymn and trust in the protection and fortitude we are afforded by our God through our faith in Jesus. This faith granted Luther tremendous resilience, the ability to recover quickly from difficulties like a spring moving back into place after bearing a heavy weight. Through placing our faith in Jesus, we too can become resilient in carrying out God's will for our lives. And I know you're excited, and so am I, to learn a lot more about that right after this. Welcome to God's Word for Life Lesson Companion Podcast, brought to you by Word of Flame Curriculum and the Pentecostal Publishing House. This podcast encourages adult disciples to think deeply about God's Word, further develop their personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and make a greater commitment to the purpose and plan of God for their lives. Let's dive into today's lesson and explore what it means to live out God's Word in our lives. Good day to you, God's Word for Life listeners. I hope you're enjoying a little warmer weather where you are. This is L.J. Harry. I'm your host on this God's Word for Life companion podcast. And today's episode comes from the lesson dated March 13th, 2022, and it is entitled The Refuge of the Secret Place. We're going to draw from the 91st Psalm and the first verse of the 91st Psalm. So if you'd open up your hymnal that is within your Bible, which is the book of Psalms, we're going to take a look at Psalm 91, verse 1. And the psalmist wrote, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the of the Almighty. That is a beautiful psalm and promise. For some people, the book of Psalms is their favorite book in the Bible. It's poetry. And when you're reading it, it's very important to see what's being depicted, what was written, particularly when it pertains to God. And it's important to pay attention to three literary devices. Here we go. We've already been to world history class. Welcome to English class and English comp and lit. One of those is called personification. Another is anthropomorphism. You're welcome. And then zoomorphism. Don't worry, I'll explain. Personification is when human characteristics are used to create imagery for something that's not human, such as the trees clap their hands. (laughs) Well, trees don't have hands, but that's called personification. The idea, the concept is better understood. We understand it a little more. The next one, anthropomorphism, is when something that is not human, or or maybe not fully human even, is described as behaving as it were. For example, you ever heard somebody say, listen to your heart? Well, that's anthropomorphic. Your heart doesn't speak, but we say it anyways. Finally, zoomorphism is when an animal's characteristics are used to describe an object, a person, or a deity. For example, God can hide us under his wings, and that's also in the 91st Psalm. So there you go, personification, anthropomorphism, and zoomorphism. And the book of Psalms uses all three. In fact, it uses them often. Readers, we have to be aware of these concepts to appropriately appreciate the book of Psalms. For example, Psalm 91.1 says, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. But wait just a minute, buckaroo. We know God is invisible from Colossians 1, from John 4. He doesn't cast a shadow, and you are right. So, what does that mean? Well, the idea readers should be attentive to, pay attention to, is hidden in this personified language. We should live our lives in a position of being under God. This part of the psalmist's life was hidden from others because it was a sacred place where the psalmist was restored and received hope. When we fully understand what the psalmist was saying and singing, this demonstrates the great need we have for a secret place in our lives where we, too, encounter God. Since reading scripture requires knowledge and skill, much like reading poetry, what are some small practical things we can do to grow in our knowledge and skills in reading the Word of God? There were times the psalmist used buildings to personify God's protective qualities. Much of the 91st Psalm is spent assuring us that God will protect us from harm. It uses words like refuge, fortress, habitation. These words aren't identical, but they're all places we might live. The idea is that God's dwelling is not just a place where we might go, but a place where we could actually live. God is compared to a hiding place or one who hides us. That's found in other Psalms, Psalm 17, 27, 32, 64, 68, 119. Hiding is associated with this desire to be protected, to be safe. You ever played a game of hide and seek and you want to be safe from it and you find a place where they don't see you, can't find you. That's where we are safe. The psalmist made a point that it's good for us to seek God in those times of trouble and uncertainty. And just one scroll through your newsfeed will tell you these are times of trouble and uncertainty and yet we can hide. In verse 4 of this self-same psalm, the author uses zoomorphism by giving God wings and showing how these wings symbolize shelter. The shelter a mother bird provides for her young. A mother bird will use her wings to shelter her chicks from the weather from predators. Second, the name of God that is translated Almighty in the Hebrew is El Shaddai. One interpretation of El Shaddai is actually feminine. It is connected to the Hebrew word meaning breast. It embodies this nurturing and intimate relationship between a mother and her nursing child. It's a feminine image of God as a nurturer, as a mother bird. We find this all throughout the book of Psalms. God is our protector. He provides us physical, emotional safety for anyone who seeks protection. He is everything we need. Now, of course, as we Remember from earlier, God is invisible. He he is without gender. He is neither male nor female. Adam and Eve were gendered because both of them were made in the image of God equally. Adam was not a more precise expression of God's image, nor was Eve. God gave them gendered expressions because the traits of both genders are fully expressed by God. The whole image of God is demonstrated through the combined expression of men and women. We can hide ourselves in our relationship with God through prayer. Prayer is how a secret and sacred place is created with the almighty God. It's a place of freedom and liberation where believers can express themselves to God openly and honestly. We can come clean with God. Prayer is a secret, sacred place where we can freely, authentically share our deepest hurts, our greatest longings, our worst fears, and we can trust God. Many of us spend hours of our day sitting because we trust a chair will support us. If we didn't trust it, we probably would not have a seat. So whatever we trust is where we place ourselves. When we trust Jesus, we commit our lives to his care. This is more than just an intellectual assent of Jesus, but it's a committed position of confidence he will be compassionate for us. God has pledged his compassion. He has pledged his righteousness to us through the life he offered up for us on the cross. He demonstrated that he would bring justice for sin all the while extending mercy and love to sinners. What an awesome God we serve. Now, we determined earlier in Psalm 91 that the psalmist was speaking to a person seeking God's care and protection. In the last three verses... Of this psalm, this is God's response to that person who is seeking his protection. Because he hath set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high because he hath known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. That's beautiful. Not only did the psalmist describe how God protects, but also how God pledges himself to the protection and deliverance of those who trust in him. Many different times, many different ways, God has pledged his faithfulness to us, but never greater, more significant than when he came in flesh and gave his life for us. Now, when I mentioned about the chair holding us and us trusting the chair, we can understand that. But to hand our entire lives to an invisible God that's just a little more abstract. The popular hymn, It Is Well With My Soul, was written by Horatio Spafford. You might have heard this story. In 1873, he planned to travel to Europe with his family, but there was business to continue to conduct at home, so he waited and he sent them on. But tragically, the ship his wife and his four daughters traveled on sank after colliding with another ship. And the only one saved was his sweet wife, Anna. He traveled to Europe to join his grieving wife, and when they passed by the spot where his daughters drowned, the captain of the ship upon which he sailed told him, This is the place in the ocean where we lost your family. And Horatio Spafford wrote the words, When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, Whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say it is well, it is well with my soul. Somehow, Spafford's trust in God granted him a resiliency that allowed him to continue living, continue holding on to his faith, no matter the great loss he had just suffered. In the Old Testament, God took great pains to make sure his people would be hidden and safe. God instituted cities of refuge that would function as an asylum for anyone who had unintentionally taken another human life. It would be comparable to manslaughter in our day. God provided these cities of refuge because he was concerned about protecting individuals who did not deserve to lose their life just because they accidentally took another's. This honor and shame culture dominated this ancient Near East culture, and it dictated that avenging a fallen family member was a matter of honor. To leave that murder unavenged was considered a matter of shame. So these cities of refuge in Scripture should remind us that God is concerned about us and He will provide a place of refuge where we experience His protection and His deliverance. Think about your own life. What are some physical and spiritual places of refuge in your life? And how can you make new places or rediscover old places of refuge? Perhaps one of the most incredible accounts of God's protection is Paul's arduous journey from Jerusalem to Rome, which we read in Acts 21 all the way through chapter 28. God protected Paul from an angry Jewish mob, from corrupt rulers, from shipwreck, from a snake bite, from multiple times to jail. God's protection afforded Paul some amazing opportunities to share the gospel. Paul returned to a mob of radical Jews of which he was formerly a member. Remember, he used to be one of them. And he presented the gospel and his conversion experience. He shared his story. Paul went before Felix, the Roman governor, Festus, the procurator, Herod Agrippa, the king of Judah, who was installed by the Romans. Paul shared his story, his testimony, and the gospel with each of these dignitaries all the while God protected him from the Jews. But since Paul had appealed to the Roman emperor, Claudius Caesar, he was placed as a prisoner on a ship traveling to Rome. And after that ship was shipwrecked, And God miraculously protected Paul on the island of Crete. He finally arrived in Rome. And there he was placed on house arrest for two years. (laughs) Welcome to Rome, Paul. And during this time, he was able to share the gospel with a great number of Romans, including soldiers. And at this point in the story, the book of Acts ends. But tradition indicates Paul was cleared by Claudius Caesar and may have even traveled from Rome to share the gospel in Spain, which he stated in Romans 15 was his intention after he visited the church in Rome. Paul's journey from Jerusalem to Rome, from the center of the Jewish world to the heart of the Gentile world, is a magnificent story of protection and deliverance. When we set out on a journey to make Jesus known to the world, thank God his spirit will be with us every step of the way. Jesus intentionally entered into our trouble. He did this through the Incarnation. The author of Hebrews used the following statement to begin the epistle. After God spoke long ago in various portions and in various ways to our ancestors through the prophets, in these last days he has spoken to us in a Son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he created the world. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 2. Instead of sending someone else to speak on his behalf, God came to us in a son, to model for us the type of intimate relationship God desires with all of us. He didn't only come with words to speak and sermons to share, but he embraced the brokenness in our world, the fragile part of life. We are finite beings. We need rest. We need to be restored by God, by the community of faith. We must remember God instituted rest for us. He instituted Sabbath all the way back in the very beginning. God rested on the seventh day and extended this to all creation. If God felt like we needed Sabbath before the fall, how much more essential is a Sabbath after the fall? We need rest. We need refuge. We need refreshing. We need renewing. We need, that's a lot of R and R and R and R and R. We need it. And one must be honest about how much we are limited and how much we cannot do without rest. And At what point we just cannot take it anymore and we need to get away and rest. Refuge should not be a parachute we only use in the case of an emergency. It should be a dependable, predictable discipline in our lives, much like eating and sleeping. No wonder the psalmist said, he that dwelleth in the secret place. Don't just stay there for a little while. Don't just check in and check out like a hotel. Why don't you pull up a chair? Why don't you make yourself at home in the presence of God and dwell in the secret place of the Most High. If you will, you will abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Okay, let's wrap this up. Did you realize Jesus rested? In fact, there were several times, this this may blow your mind, but several times Jesus chose solitude over people. Of course he loves us. Of course he loves people. But in order to minister to us, he needed rest. He knew the importance of refuge, and he intentionally sought out this place of refuge, this time of solace and solitude just with God, no matter how busy he was conducting and doing ministry. We need to follow his example. After Jesus was baptized, he spent 40 days of prayer and fasting in the wilderness before he even launched his ministry. Jesus withdrew to solitude and prayer to obtain guidance before he made important decisions. Early in his ministry, Jesus spent the whole night in prayer before he chose the 12 disciples who would carry on the work he would do after he was gone. Jesus sought solitary moments in prayer after strenuous, stressful days of ministry, and he instructed his disciples to do the same. You'll find that in Mark chapter 6. And when Jesus heard of John the Baptist's death, he sought solitude during this time of grieving. Just hours before he was arrested, Jesus sought a time of solitary prayer with his disciples who all went to sleep. But in a time of distress, Jesus sought a place of refuge. And finally, Luke offered this editorial comment concerning Jesus's ministry. Luke wrote, but so much the more. Went there a fame abroad of him and great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. And he withdrew himself into the wilderness and prayed, Luke 5, verses 15 through 16. The demand for Jesus grew, his popularity grew, his fame grew, but Jesus made a habit to frequently find a solitary refuge where he could pray. If anybody was too busy to pray, it would have been Jesus. And yet he had a persistent, regular pattern of prayer, seeking God, It is key to remember nobody accidentally prays daily. We only pray daily, intentionally. Jesus had a great need for prayer, certainly we do too. Our prayer changes our view of the world. When we continue to pray, what we thought was most important may become less. And what we believe was most insignificant may become a great burden for us to bear. And ultimately, prayer brings about the same resolve in us that was expressed by John the Baptist. Jesus must increase, I must decrease. Through prayer, our consciousness of God improves. How we see the world shifts radically. And when this happens, take heart. We have just begun to see the world, not as we would have it, but as God sees it. And with this new vision of the world, we are ready, we are prepared to walk into our world as followers of Jesus Christ let's take some time right now and pray. If you're with a lot of people, maybe you can slip away for a moment and have a prayer. And let's take some time and ask God to help us to seek his refuge, to seek his presence, his face, and to make his presence our home. Lord, I love you. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Let your presence be our home. Help us, Jesus, to seek time and In place away from the busyness and the hecticness of our world and seek your presence. I'm asking you today to minister to all those listening. May we find rest and refuge in your presence, in your secret place. May we dwell there. May we live there. May we make your presence our home. For those who are running, may they find protection from the world in your presence. For those who are, are battling God. May they find protection from the world and from the wounds of this world. May they find it in your presence. Help us, Lord. Give us a peace and a calm that only comes from you. I ask you to do this. I praise you for it. I thank you for it. In the precious name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Hey, thanks so much, God's Word for Life listeners. Be sure to click subscribe. You'll never miss an episode. Be sure to click share. Nobody else has to miss an episode. Let them know about God's Word for Life. Great resources abound. They dwell at Pentecostalpublishing.com. You can find some excellent Bibles, Bible studies. You can find some great books, inspirational books, devotions, all kinds of wonderful resources there. God's Word for Life resources as well, all at Pentecostalpublishing.com. And we continue with our series on Our hiding place next week dated March 20th, 2022 and it is entitled Greatly to be Praised and we're going to learn how worship and praise is a hiding place for us. I'm looking forward to sharing that with you next week and always look forward to learning and living out God's Word for Life. Thank you for listening to God's Word for Life Lesson Companion Podcast where together we explore what it means to live out God's Word in our lives. If you haven't yet, Make sure to subscribe to this podcast. And if you are looking for other Bible study tools and resources to encourage you in your walk with God, visit us today at pentecostalpublishing.com.